In the cabin of a plane, the pressure drops suddenly. The pilot struggles to breathe. On the verge of collapse, they send out Morse code over the radio. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, Episode 6, The Perfect 1000 Witness Alibi. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and I've recently been investigating a lead on where my life is taking me, which has yet to turn up any promising results. New to this episode, we will be answering an audience email. Stay tuned for that. You can also send us emails at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I want to give a quick content warning on today's episode. The episode we watched features the talk about strangulation and other neck wounds in a bit of a graphic way. Uh, if you watch it, they, sh- they show them as well. So heads up on that. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who thinks I don't know about the four Dragon Balls he has hidden in his sock drawer. Just don't wish for anything dangerous. I, I can't. I only have four of them. <laughs> okay. So, Mike, what have you got for us today? Well, I was curious. Uh, So far, we've seen in the opening this little flashy tattoo dropping onto some mysterious neck. Uh, We don't know anything about it yet, but I decided to figure out what that symbol was. And it was a good thing it was easy to figure out that it was a planetary symbol for Pluto. Now, I don't know what that means, and I can't Google it because it'll probably immediately tell me spoilers for the show. But it was good to get some satisfaction on what that mystery tattoo is. Yeah, I noticed that as well. We'll, we'll, um, I'm sure we'll learn something about that soon. Yeah, I don't give any stock to astrology, uh, but apparently in astrology, it does. Pluto has something to do with like mystery and secrets. So, what oh a, yeah, what a surprising symbol to show up. I can imagine that's why they chose that particular symbol. Thanks, Mike. So I'm really excited to bring in our guest today. He's a very funny person, and I I learned recently that he has a certificate in technical theater, and technically, this episode is about theater. It is. Maybe. A little. So that's a good fit. Um, So our guest is a comedian and storyteller who performs with Philadelphia's long-running in-crowd improv comedy group. You'll find him on Twitter at Neil P. Bardhan and in real life seeking out breakfast sandwiches. On top of all that, he once solved the mystery of the lost glove. I've cracked the case. It's Neil Bardhan. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I would never have guessed from his Twitter handle. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a real trade-off there between having something clever and having something memorable. A spoiler alert, I also knew who it was before <laughs> I what? got to the end of introducing him. How dare well, you. we've solved all the mysteries for this week. Thanks, folks. Wait, 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 wait. We've got, we've got more things to do. <laughs> we have at least two okay. other mysteries. You're not trying to get out of this. You watched the episode of anime? Oh, yes. No, I did my homework today. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, we always like to start by getting a sense of uh, what kind of things you like, particularly when it comes to these kinds of things that we watch. Sure. So, my first question for you is anime. How much have you seen? What have you seen? All, none, some? Uh, effectively none. I I don't think I've seen a single full episode of any anime TV show and movies. I probably saw Akira once. That's it. Big one. That's that's one. 
That's one. Well, we, wow. ho- we hope you've seen one full episode of this. Y- yes, as mentioned, I did my homework yeah. for today. <laughs> now he has seen a full episode. Great. I That's true. Think Thank it's you. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. You've really managed to avoid it. But what an introduction. Yeah. Yeah. To the genre. <laughs> I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and we can we can probably weave some of this back in later um, as the episode kind of unfolds. But I think for a long time I avoided things with subtitles. Um, I was I was mm-hmm. one of those problematic viewers, um, and I think some of it's about like my attention span and language processing, and some of it's about like, oh, if I'm just like invested in the story visually, is it going to be also something I blah blah blah. So, uh, but you know, Parasite fixed me good uh, on that front. So, um, and then, honestly, this this episode helped me a lot as well as, as saying like, oh, this is something that I can enjoy because I have to fixate my eyes on it. That's a normal way to describe that, right? Yeah, it, it's different when you're watching something and looking for things to maybe make jokes about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and also watching it in a void. While also reading, while also looking for visual clues to all this yeah. mystery. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my anime and subtitle relationship. Yeah, cool. Well, let's ask about the mystery side of things. There's a lot of stuff out there that's mystery, you know, TV shows, books, podcasts, etc., etc. Um, do you like any of that stuff um yeah short short version yeah i like a lot of mystery plays and movies and i used to read a bunch of mystery novels um that i've dealt less with over uh my adult life the other thing that i think i actually enjoy more than i thought is like medical mystery shows so like house md um among among others um so yeah i like a good little procedural slash mystery thing uh but i don't I don't think I have a particular, like, franchise that I uh, connect with a lot. Yeah, I remember House, when they first started airing it, they really pushed it up as, like, the detective medical show. Because mm-hmm. they were ethically dubious, breaking into people's houses <laughs> to to diagnose them. Yeah, that, that seems problematic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, do no harm. Different exactly. interpretations. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so I think we can put two and two together and guess that you have never seen detective anime before. That is correct. I had no idea that it was a thing until you mentioned this podcast to me. Wonderful. We're solving that mystery for all those people out there. Um, and, uh, I'll definitely make sure to ask you once we've kind of dissected it and, and devolved into it, uh, if, if you'd ever, uh, cross this way again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's kind of start moving into talking about the episode. Uh, I What we're going to start doing is we're going to start doing some quick character updates. For those of you that are listening week by week or just jumping in for an episode, we've just kind of been talking about recurring characters as if you know who they are. But like Neil, you, you might have just been jumping in this time and not know these characters for anything. So Mike, I'm going to mention some characters. Neil, you can jump in if you had observations cool. on them from that you saw. So the main character is Q. What's his deal? Uh, Renjo Q is an insufferable, uh, but possibly well-meaning, uh, precocious detective. He's not good at anything except solving mysteries. And then there's Megu. Uh, well, other than being overtly sexualized for reasons beyond my comprehension, uh, she uh, has a photographic memory, which, as I constantly say, is a real thing that real people have. <laughs> uh, who's Kinta? Uh, Kinta is our large, muscly idiot. He's not really good at anything, but he beats people up when they need being beaten up yeah he's the tall one Cosma uh he's our very rich very small computer genius yeah constantly got a tiny laptop in his possession 
and then we at the very end we see the two the, the two teachers i think we can just know that they're the teachers neil did you have any thoughts on the opening song <laughs> the the note i wrote to myself was very long theme song oh it's standard length for an anime yeah a minute 25 is about what you get <laughs> okay that was my next question yeah it, it seemed a, a great deal of investment on the uh the composer's part as well as the animators uh for for a 25 minute episode for it to be like i don't know two minutes three minutes um yeah i i will admit that i i kind of tuned it out because i just kept thinking i was like can we get to the fun story already like how much <laughs> how much do i need to know about these friends always being there for me uh or whatever <laughs> is going to happen in the same song well in american television we've been moving away and away from having theme songs which is sad because episodes have been getting smaller mm-hmm. So yeah, having like a legitimate ninety-minute theme song is jarring. Yeah. Ninety, 90 minutes, minutes is longer than you thought it was. <laughs> Tells how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, cool. So the episode starts with this lesson. They all go to this detective school, and uh, I like that we're actually now getting to see like what do you sure. learn at detective school? Well, here's what you learn. I thought it was nice to get confirmation that they don't just spend their time separated from everybody else in their weird homeroom, but that right. they actually go into the school that looks like it costs money. And uh, the lesson is on something that you can imagine will become relevant in the episode itself, which is on different strangulation wounds and the different angle uh, it would be at if it was like someone strangling someone else with a rope versus someone right. hanging themselves. You know, that classic high school course, Strangle right. Wounds 101. Um, I, I wondered... Um, Again, my, my note to myself is, how many shows include a criminology or similar class? Because I realized, I was like, this feels like a familiar trope. And then I thought, I'm mostly thinking of Veronica Mars, which I watched about six months ago, mm. and definitely has related classes. And then I thought, surely I've seen this done other places as well. Um, and that always, it, it seems easy and yet unrealistic. Well, it makes slightly more sense within the show they've built here, but it's definitely a thing where, like, if you see a scene in a class in a high school show, it's then immediately relevant. I know Mm -hmm. it happened in Buffy a lot, where they'd be like, let's talk about bug mating. Oh, now there's a bug monster that's mating. And How to Get Away with Murder was all about that, because the class was called How to Get Away with Murder, and they were getting away with murder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's something I learned today about Uh, How to Get Away with Murder, I guess. So they're they're in class. They get this lesson. Not too much happens. Kent is kind of sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up. This is kind of an episode focused on him in a little way. Yeah, we ways. get a little look into his life, although it doesn't become immediately relevant. Yeah, yeah. I I couldn't have told you that like Q was the main guy in the series. Like this was very much a Kinta focused episode to me. Yeah, he does do a bit of the de- the deducing. He he has some catchphrases that we'll get mm-hmm. to. Um, but this one's definitely going into his background, uh, which we haven't done yet. This is episode six, the first time we're really, like, he's not just there to throw people across bridges. Right. So this kind of really caught me off guard, because now Q and Megu are walking home, and they walk past what looks like the construction site where someone was murdered in the first episode. Uh, Neil, in the first episode, there was a murder in a construction Uh site. But Kinta is leaving. I mean, logically, they had an opening. That's opportunism. (laughs) So... So, okay, so we suspect that Kinta is now working at the construction site because there was a murder there and he took that, that, job. that guy's job after they <laughs> solved the case. 
And they, 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 did they know he was going to be there? Well, yeah, they brought him McDonald's, yeah, which they... is what I call the McDonald's bag with a P on it. Ah, oh, I like that. I like that. I, I did also have that moment where I was like, clearly this is McDonald's, but also clearly not McDonald's. So I have a bunch of notes <laughs> about food here. So, uh. <laughs> you'll Ooh. see you'll see a whack donald's in a lot of anime where they just turn the m upside down this time they turn it into a p and i'm like <laughs> i still know it's mcdonald's yeah they are also like here's a snack and it's a, it's a, it's burger. a whole meal yeah. it's a burger and this is where we learn that kinta is you know, fulfilling that classic anime trope of the high schooler who lives by himself sure, sure. for no reason <laughs> which i'm to understand is not something that regularly happens in japanese culture no matter how often we see it <laughs> in anime <laughs> right Right. The only reason he says that he lives wants to live on his own is because he wants to practice being mm. independent. Mm. It's not because he's actually a 25-year-old just pretending to be a <laughs> high school student. And as they walk down the street together, they hear a scream. Mm-hmm. And this brings us back to our discussion on breaking into yeah. houses. Because <laughs> yes. they, they force their way directly into that house. The, they the run right in. in and they open the door. They uh, yeah, I, yeah, I had a second there where I was like, wait, do these people know each other? Is there a relation? Wait, I, like I watched it twice just to make sure that I thought correctly that they just walked right into this house. Um, so for you know a minute or so, yes, just because they, they heard a scream. scream and they felt totally uh, emboldened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, they were like not right outside the front door; they were a ways away. The doors weren't open. The the windows were maybe open. Who knows that they heard this like ear piercing yeah, so scream loud. so loud out there on the street. Ugh. Before they come in, we do get a, a shot. The housekeeper goes upstairs uh, and, and opens the door to this room. And um, another woman come, kind of pokes her head out and is like, call the police, call an ambulance, and, and frantically shuts the door. And But then, then, they, then they come in. And I noticed they like come in and they're so much in a rush to get up there and see what's going on. But they all throw off their shoes. Of course. Of course. Japan. Take uh, your shoes off. They're not impolite. <laughs> But that was <clears throat> that was uh, that was pretty. That was a nice detail. That was a nice detail. <laughs> Kinta is the first one up the stairs, throws up in the door, finds that woman crying over the victim, and we're given her name, shown that she's the victim. She get a a cami, and she has visible marks on her neck, just like they were learning about in school. And she's also got like a thingy on her leg. Um, I I wasn't sure that that was a twig. Uh, and you know I can't draw to save my life, but it was the sort of. <laughs> image where i was like is that a spider is that a hair i needed a, i need a little th- tattoo yeah i need a little more dimension to it well it was a vital clue as we will someday Apparently. discover mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the police then starts interviewing the suspect this is the woman who was in the room and was discovered with the body she is an actress shigeta kumi the sister of the victim mm-hmm uh, and she gives her explanation that she just got home from being an actress. She got home at 7.30. Uh, and we see a flashback. She coming home with her big rolling suitcase, knocking on the door, opening the door, and screaming. Yeah. I was going to ask if I should mention the big rolling suitcase, because it screamed big rolling suitcase. It me. was very obvious. <laughs> it, it, was, it was weird. I, I couldn't figure it out myself. I was like, what is this big rolling suitcase doing here? Well, I'll just ignore it. <laughs> she was bringing home props and costumes. Of course. Yeah. Um, can I, I pause here and ask a, a naive question about de- detective anime, etc. Yeah. Which is, um, in the, uh, on the screen, it says, you know, victim, uh, Shigeta Akemi. Uh, and it, so it gives these, all these characters a role yeah. and a name. Is this standard in anime? I found it very useful. 
It's pretty standard in detective anime. Yeah. Okay. It's like, here are the people that we're only meeting for today, and a very quick synopsis of them. Yeah, they have a very quick way of introducing characters. We don't get it as much in this episode, because this is very much a one suspect, how did they do it episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but, like, uh, the next episode, which I, I was just watching to prepare for that, we'll get four suspects. And so it'll be like, uh... suspect number one, name and thing. Suspect number two. Sometimes yeah. they even give you their ages. And in Japanese, it's important when you introduce a character not just to say their name, but to show it. Mm-hmm. Because the characters, especially in their family name, can be different depending on how they decided it's pronounced and what they mean. And who knows if it'll come up yes. in some kind of weird hint. Sure, <laughs> Sometimes sure. it matters what characters their name is made out of. Got it. Yeah, I find that super convenient, especially for preparing for this podcast, to be able to just write down all the names of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the police are like investigating and talking people around. Uh, they talk to the housekeeper. Kinoshita Sayaka, who was the only person home with the victim, she was the one who called the police. And then it's at this point that someone notices that there are three children mm-hmm. <laughs> standing around in the crime scene. <laughs> Just playing. <laughs> Just looking around, crouched down, looking at the outline of the body. And they, um, the, the police officer in charge of this investigation just goes immediately from ignoring the children playing in the crime scene to manhandling them. <laughs> Which... You know, earlier on in the series, they just let them walk around crime scenes. So this is like a step up. But it it doesn't matter too much because they uh, drop one of their DDS school notebooks. And they are like, oh boy. Oh my goodness, DDS. Well, then these idiot children are here. They should be here. The one police uh, officer, my first note was that he seemed upset about the academy. Uh, there's something mm. interesting there in how I read uh, his tone in Japanese. Uh, I don't speak Japanese, uh, but it was like one of those moments where I was like, oh, he seems really upset. Wait, no, I think he's impressed? Question mark? Um, well, so there's this this sort of idea that he's insulted someone who might be his superior. So he's very apologetic and like almost like, oh, no, have I done something that's going to get uh, me in trouble? Yeah. 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 Got it. So so they, they notice a couple things while they're investigating here. Um, the first thing they look at is the marks on the neck. And because the mark was horizontal, like we learned about in class, that means the person was probably strangled. Thank mm-hmm. God we went to class today. So there's a nice sh- shot of that awful wound. Um, and there's also nail marks on her neck, which show that she was struggled. So all right. of that is con- how they conclude that she was murdered and it wasn't suicide. And then they start to investigate. They ask about the weapon. That hasn't been found. <laughs> My note here is... Uh... We haven't found the string, he says, in front of an open piano. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the string made me immediately think of some kind of technology of, like, disappearing string or... Yes. Um, you know, like a... Uh, and this connects with the strange thing that we saw in the leg. I was like, was that a spider? Was it a spider web that's been dissolved by heat? Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't go to detective school. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I was definitely expecting something like that at this point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, in detective anime, you will see keys being pulled out of rooms, mechanisms that are set up to work from afar, all mm. sorts of those things. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it was too far off of you to, okay. to suspect such Phew. a thing. Even if uh, that is not the direction maybe that this episode will go in. Well, we already know this anime to employ occasionally ridiculous tricks because the first episode featured a bungee jump. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Go big, you know. There's no way he could have gotten down from that construction crane in time. Well, he bungee jumped. <laughs> <laughs> they then we, we, they then want to collect evidence, and this is where we learn that their notepads are not just 
like effective for getting the police off your back when you're investigating crime scenes they also are loaded with gadgets there's a fingerprint detection set an all-purpose knife lock picking tools and a table of random numbers for decoding perfect (laughs) swiss army knife notebook i love it and i think this is possibly a, a reference to i just read i just read that book Nonfiction or fiction? Let's play this. Let's play. Yeah. Let's detective this mystery briefly. <laughs> no, no, no. So it's the um, it's one of the early Japanese mystery novels from the 30s or 40s, The Fiend with Twenty Faces, which introduces the like the boy detective club who who helps out a go- yeah Kogoro yeah. Kechi Kogoro Kechi, I think yes. Uh, and he has seven detective tools, some of which overlap here. So this seems like a reference ah, to yeah. that. You know, he always has his flashlight and his knife and, and that stuff. So Kinta puts on gloves because he's going to take fingerprints. Where did he get the gloves from? Uh, his butt. <laughs> um, a different notebook. <laughs> his glove notebook. Yes. Um, and they talk about the technique. They have a spray to get uh, with crushed aluminum that makes the grease of the fingerprints shows up. That sounds plausible. Yeah, but I love it's just this like slightly exhausted police officer comes in. He's like, "Yeah, we did that." <laughs> yeah. It's like, "Well, I'm going to do it up there." Yeah, it, that's that, right. That particular line struck me as very funny. Again, and you're like, in a very short episode, the the writers and animators have to bother with something like that, uh, which has an interesting like tension between the uh, the grownups and the kids. Yeah, because he discovers fingerprints that are just the victim's fingerprints, like, at normal level in the room where she lived. Like, big big whoop. Mm-hmm. But then he goes and discovers her fingerprints above the window in a place that's kind of weird. Like, why would there be fingerprints up there? Mm-hmm. Uh, Noting and- that he's only checked two places, one normal place and one weird place, and struck gold on the one weird place. Right, which he, he just did to cover himself. We don't have time for a montage where he searches the whole room. <laughs> Uh, and he's so surprised to find something, he falls and lands on the housekeeper. And she's dead. She died, everyone. No. <laughs> well, she's we solved fine. that mystery, too. <laughs> she's fine. <laughs> um, but in the process of falling over, at some point, he has he gets something on his jacket, which is the same as that mystery twig on the mm-hmm. victim's leg. So here we get some more clues. Um, and the timing of this murder is pretty important. So the time of death was at 4 p.m., and the victim sent a fax shortly before death. Uh, it was at 3.47 yeah, because she's a, we see the phone go off. She's a lyricist, hence the piano, and yeah. she was faxing some sheet music. As you do in 2003 when this was created. Yes. Um, oh, should we explain fax machines? No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, when we watch Detective Conan, we will have to explain fax machines because he gets like a fax machine in a lunchbox, if you remember. Oh, great. What? He uses like twice. <laughs> How big is this lunchbox? Big enough for a lunch and a fax machine. Bento fax. Uh, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the housekeeper didn't hear any noise. There was a meeting of neighborhood wives next door. They also didn't hear anything. You know, unlike and as we've seen, the walls are very thin because when there was a scream, everybody for miles heard the scream. <laughs> so the sister who's alive has an outburst. She's like on the, on the housekeeper. How could you not not notice anything? Um, you're the only one here, mm-hmm. but this is when we learn that the, there was a motive, perhaps, for her to murder her sister, because they were quarreling over inheritance. Gasp! Classic, classic inheritance fight, and it's pretty awful. You, you kind of, we're already pretty much guessing that she's the one who did it. There's not a lot of suspects here. It's this seems to be more of a case of how, and she, so she further cements herself as an awful person by trying to pin it on the the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. 
But we ain't having any of that because Kinta says she has innocent eyes. Oh That's yeah. Right. No, oh she, yes. She, this this little piece. She didn't do it. I could see it in her eyes. Ah uh, yes, they're trained to read pupils at the DDS. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones shut that down. They're like, no, no, no. We we're we're not trained. My to favorite it. part about this is it's Megu. That's like that's not a real skill. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. While she has photographic. And her entire thing is not a real skill. Yeah. But I, I digress. But please come back for uh, our next episode because we'll be going into photographic memory uh, when we cover episode seven of this show. I can't wait. I'm I'm not invited to that, so I won't be there. Well, you can listen to it, Neil. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. And okay, we'll get that. Okay. Wherever okay. I get my podcast. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the housekeeper did not check on the victim between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. She left her alone. So it's just like the body was laying there, and then the sister came home from the uh, wherever she was and found her. The, the, yeah. So now we go. Now we learn the alibi. And I'm sorry, Neil, for making a joke about your certificacy in technical theater. You're welcome to. It's, this is your podcast. You can make all the jokes about me that you want. Well, then maybe we will have you back. <laughs> but it turns out that she, she's a stage actress. We knew that. And she was on stage at the time of the murder, more or less. She was in the middle right. of a show. A thousand people saw her perform. They were all witnesses. But we did have a half an hour intermission around right. the time of death. Right. Give or take. And I, I will say, I didn't notice that this episode title was perfect thousand witness alibi until like basically around the time that they're dealing with the fax machine business and i was like oh what thousand witnesses <laughs> yeah so it, it took me a while and be like who are we talking about and then finally we get to the theater and i say ah yes yeah it's interesting how removed from the theater this is i was i was mm-hmm. expecting someone to be murdered in a theater but the actress was on stage at the time not quite I really love what happens next. It's a bit baffling because they bring in Cosma, who hasn't been in the episode yet. Yeah, my uh, I was just like, I, I feel like I missed something. <laughs> who is this? It turns out I missed the first five episodes where a supporting character was included at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's he's pretty much one of the group. It's just a coincidence, I guess, that the two of them were on their own and, and Cosma wasn't there. He was, yeah. uh, so we see his phone ring and he gets out of bed. He has like an old fashioned sleeping cap on. Uh-huh. With he's roses al- on it. He's also wearing his glasses. As you do. Sure. And then they cut back to, the, and now it's the middle of the day. Well, they asked him if he had a car. Yeah. They asked, like, yeah, I got a car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, the youngest one of us, yeah. have a car. Yeah. He's, he's in grade school, but he goes to this high school. So the uh, Rolls Royce shows up. And they're like, ooh, who's, whose car is that? Wh- whose car is that? But where's Cosma? And the window rolls down and he's inside. And they're just floored by how rich he is. Well, to be fair, we were floored by how rich he was when this richness was introduced like an episode ago. So, yeah. yeah. Neil, his fortune comes from uh, programming a video game like while he was in elementary school. Uh, that, that seems the most realistic of all of the things described so far in this uh, universe, honestly. So they are going to test out the victim's alibi. Her performance was from 2 to 6 p.m., but there was a 30-minute intermission from 3.30 to 4. So if she's able to get from the theater to home in that time, she could have done the murder. So they pull out a stopwatch. For some reason, they they are on in a car, but Kinta is biking like crazy. Well, I guess they're, they're trying to test two methods of getting back and forth. Yeah. But I, there was no preface to this, right? They were just all of a sudden doing right, it. Right, yes. that's right. Okay, great. I, I was confused and thought, gosh, I missed something while I look away from the screen for 10 seconds. But no, 
um, the writing is a little flawed. Yeah, they explain afterwards why they were doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing, of course, this is the second appearance on this show of Homard Sandwiches. Oh, yes, I made a note about this, and I had to look it up. It's some kind of French lobster sandwich. I'm pretty sure it's like chicken salad, but with lobster, is what it is. And Cosma is just floored that the two of them have never had one before, because it's his favorite food. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just sitting around eating lobster all day. What are you people (laughs) doing? So they get there. Uh, it It takes too long. It takes 29 minutes on the bike and 31 minutes by car. And Kinta, well, Kinta's like, that's how she did it. She had enough time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they remind him that it, you need to go back as well. Unless she had a helicopter. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that way too much. <laughs> right. They, they suggest a helicopter and Kinta's like, that's it. That's how they did it. And they shut him down. They're like, no, <laughs> no way. We're not introducing helicopters into this plot line. The other thing we learn is that Cosma has used his computer genius superpower of Googling <laughs> to find posts on a message board threatening... Uh, Kumi, who is the surviving sister. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all anonymous, but they think they're all from the same person because they were sent at one-minute intervals. And they explain, I don't know, things about chat rooms that were probably more relevant in 2003. Yes, a good old-fashioned 2003 message board. Right. Putting your death threats in public for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. Never, never goes wrong. Now, this was where I made my guess about what I thought happened. Yeah, I made mine a, mm-hmm. a few minutes before this. Uh, in that somehow the fax machine was faked to make it look like she was still alive, but she had already been killed before. That was my guess at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Michael, what did you guess? Well, I can't tell you because it's I was correct. right on the head. Okay. <laughs> All right. Neil, Congratulations. Neil, do you remember having any suspicions of what was going um, on? Here, here, uh, my partial suspicion was Stone Willow being poisonous and somehow like somebody accidentally poisoning her i don't i don't know the the poison willow was all i could come up with um and that like maybe she fell and wanted fresh air i was i was going like a mile a minute here where i was like i think i think i'm really excited because i've (laughs) figured out a lot of possibilities um turns out i just have an active imagination yeah and we're pretty close to having all the clues and this episode doesn't really hide there's like one clue that's kind of hidden from the audience because sometimes they pull things out and you're like how are we supposed to know that right but there's this so they search just a little bit more they're questioning why the body was in the position because she was kind of curled up almost in a fetal position which doesn't make sense if she was kind of defending herself and fighting back and they are asking about the twig which was stone willow um and why that was found near the body kinta goes to search for sound effects he opens up the window and stands on a ledge to look out and when he does that he touches the finger sill to the top of the window where the, they found the victim's fingerprints unexpectedly. Did you say sound effects, by the way? He went to search for... That. Did I say that out loud? You said sound effects, yeah. Okay, yes, you because because I wrote this down. What happens is you it's just the window, and there's, like, searching sound effects. Oh. Like, you know, like, oh. like the sounds of things being moved around, but so you're not actually seeing them searching. He wasn't searching for sound effects. <laughs> no. There were searching sound effects. There were searching sound effects. Great. And then, so then they're like, that's it. So they bring in, they bring in all the people... Uh, to to reveal the solution, which is always the best part of the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this time we get an all record, a record high three hints. Yes. Normally get we we three, get two hints. Three hints. Yeah. Uh, oh. Every episode before now, it's been two hints, uh, and we were convinced that it would always be two hints, and there would never be more than two hints. <laughs> so I'm glad to see they're not limiting themselves 
and uh, in, in oh. the number of hints that are required to solve murders. <laughs> so the three hints there is uh, the curled up position of the corpse. Yes. Uh, the mm-hmm. weird high up footprint fingerprints and the twigs. Those are all things that we've kind of discovered as we talked through it. But how could they fit together? Uh, Kinta gets does the shout out where he's like, ah, she's the murderer. Okay, there's only two of them it could be. He picked the right one, the suspicious one, the sister, and not the housekeeper. Yes, the and this is where we see yeah. what I call the uh, classic anime obnoxious innocent cackle, where the, the female <laughs> character will curl up her fingers, put them to her mouth, and go, ah, ha, 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 clearly <laughs> indicating that she's a very good person and that she has nothing to hide. Well, but her alibi is perfect, Michael. Yes, it's perfect. Airtight. Airtight. But, aha, we were looking at the wrong alibi because it, we know that she must have been at the theater because of the timing of the thing. But we don't know that the victim was actually in that room for the whole time because uh-huh. nobody actually saw her mm-hmm. in the room. That's right. And Cosma's like, look, I can get a fax to send automatically. I don't have to. You don't have to actually be here. Come on, people in 2003. Don't you know how faxes work? It was actually the victim who created this, quote, alibi by programming the fax machine so that no one would know that she left and then climbing out through the window, leaving her fingerprints above the window. Mm-hmm. And they say that she must have been the one sending those threatening messages to her sister because they use the IP address from the Internet service provider. There's a bit of an explanation about that. The threats were coming from, as they say, inside the house. <laughs> yes. The faxes were coming from inside of the house. The threats were yes. coming from inside uh, of the house. Yeah. The lobster sandwiches were coming from inside of the limo. Okay. okay. <laughs> and the Stone Willow. The Stone Willow was not. Uh, tell us about that, Neil. Yeah. Uh, so my theory about poison was wrong. And uh, the Stone Willows were part of a um, like floral arrangement uh, that uh, Kumi-san had received in her dressing room. Um, thus showing that the, uh, the dressing room played a role in all this. Yeah, and that's where I'm like, had, did we see inside the dressing room to be able to see that floral arrangement earlier on? So. I don't think we had. I think we'd seen a quote-unquote camera angle kind of from um, like the, the, the vanity desk, as it were. Yeah. Uh, but not in a, in a way that was large enough to show the whole room. So I think the Stone Willow more for the audience was trying to just suggest that she had left. Which maybe I started to get a sense of, rather than telling you specifically where she went. It also provides Mm -hmm. that usually classically lacking in these very uh, elaborate murder schemes, that piece of irrefutable evidence by the presence of this inexplicable rare plant. Yeah. It's only in two two places. Yep. Always, yeah. So this kind of connects all the dots, and we learn what happened, which was that she was going to go kill her sister during the intermission of the play. But her sister killed her instead. And just, you know, casually then performed the rest of the play, yeah. as you do. Neil, do you do you recall, I don't recall in my theater classes ever having a class on, like, how to perform a, the second act of a play after murdering after, a family after member. Murder. No, I didn't get that because I have a technical theater certificate, oh, okay. not oh, okay. a um, right. performance one. Maybe that's it. I have a BA. I'm, I should have gone to conservatory. And so, right, she left her in there and then, uh-huh, put her in the suitcase. Gasp! Uh-huh. And brought her home after the play. Um, and while the housekeeper was calling the police, positioned the body uh, in the position where they found it, which is why she was all curled up because she was stuffed inside of a suitcase. I'm so glad that she was right. really stuffed inside that suitcase because the second I saw that suitcase, I was like, the dead body was well, in the suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I caught myself going like, mmm, out loud uh, when I realized why the body had been curled up. Um, it was not any of the other theories that I'd had about all sorts of things that I haven't even described, <laughs> given my bonkers imagination. Give us one. Give us one. Um, 
the this so this relates to the stone willow poison um that she was being like slowly poisoned or quickly poisoned um by kumisan and uh like reached up to clutch her own throat because she couldn't breathe and then ends up kind of like seizing convulsing into a weird curled up position Hmm. Hmm. um it was a theory yeah and then the the other thing is they're like okay well we'll find her fingerprints at the theater and that's that's all it for you it's curtains for you they could have said it. They should have. They should have. They should have. I don't Wait, know do if we that, have? I don't know if that pun would work in Japanese. Do we have any more of those curtains? Like puns that they should have said when they caught her? Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, this will be uh, your final act. Right. Yeah. Your next starring role will be in prison. In the courtroom yeah. first. Yeah. Probably. I don't know how the Japanese uh, jurisprudence. So I got very, I got very curious about that aspect on this one because I was like, why didn't she just? immediately call the police and say it was self-defense and get away with murder because it was maybe self-defense yeah but then instead she went to hide it and apparently it's really really hard to pull that one off so maybe it's sympathetic i don't know she didn't quite have to murder her she could have ran out of the room there's also the inheritance thing she probably didn't want to mess with the inheritance yeah yeah and there's a there's there's two little things to finish up the episode uh the first thing is we get this mentor moment so the two people here are the head of the detective school Don, who it's named mm-hmm. after, mm-hmm. and Katagiri Shino, who's like his his McGonagall, and they're like, uh, you looked at them, you looked at it from the right perspective, you figured it out. Yes, I love that they they were commending them for looking at it from multiple perspectives, but I'm pretty sure they just picked one very biased perspective right from the start and decided to look at it from that angle. That's my. That's it's my because take. they they checked the other alibi rather than focusing on the the other alibi, and they're also telling them like, don't use the notepad to just ride the train for free. Yuck yuck. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Neil, any chance you stuck around until after the credits? Uh, no, didn't realize that that might be a thing I should do. Yeah, it's been a thing with this anime. It isn't always. Um, the scene today was was it was a joke. Com- it was completely meaningless. It was completely meaningless. Some nonsense about the there's like a fake doorknob on the outside of the door, but it actually slides. Yeah, so it's a classic. The house looks very westernized, but the door mm-hmm. is a classic Japanese classroom sliding door and they were trying the doorknob mm. but it just slides mm. open that's and, all and they open it from the inside and they fall in and they're like why'd you put a doorknob there oh just for the look of it yeah yeah most of these yeah. previously had like they were hinting towards a character we hadn't been introduced to now they just seem to be nonsense yeah but fun nonsense great so let's uh let's look back on on, on what happened here neil tell tell us about your experience did you like it how did it compare to other things you've seen yeah uh, I enjoyed this. Uh, I I love the tidiness of a uh, twenty five minute mystery. It turns out, <laughs> um, <laughs> who knew? Um, and uh, I would I would watch more in the series. Great, yeah. They do they, they they go between different things. So sometimes they'll do one episode. Often they'll do two episode mysteries in a lot of these shows. Mm-hmm. We're getting up on a bunch of like three episode four episode ones where it's like someone's gonna murder every someone's gonna die every episode until they finally find the culprit sort of thing yeah which are yeah they're fun in different ways it's nice to have like the little ones for the bite size thing did it did it remind you of other like mystery stuff you've seen or was it like different um i I think it 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 pleasantly did while still being different that if that works as an answer i like the teamwork aspect and i like that there's uh, clues along the way that I'm supposed to pick up on and stuff that is a little outside what we knew. Um, so like the, the idea of the stone willow being the floral arrangement, like we couldn't have 
really seen that coming, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I think I like that blend of, of obvious and non-obvious stuff. Yeah, I also when watching this episode, I felt like it was maybe my favorite episode of this show that we've seen. Um, we've only mm-hmm. seen we're watching them as we go, so yes. <laughs> there may be better yeah. ones. <laughs> Michael, did you? What did you? Did I thought? Yeah, I agree that it was possibly the tidiest and most satisfying murder mystery right. thus far. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I do. I do find this. It's an interesting uh, like opposite because uh, obviously you know Nick, who was on our first episode, right? Or second episode. Second, second episode. And he's seen a lot of anime, and he did not like this mm. at all. Oh. And he has no intention oh. of watching anymore. The second, <laughs> the second and third episodes were actually kind of shaky. They were there wasn't a murder. They were just being given these weird entrance exams to get into the school. It was very different, I would say. Yes. Um, yeah. So real quick, we got have a question from an audience member. Um, so you can send us mail at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com or you can comment on our Facebook, message us on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to read these on the show, answer questions that you have. Or like, hey, you solved it. It was real easy. Tell us about it. Tell us we're big dum-dums. But please don't send us any anonymous threats. Please, yes. Post those on public. No, no. <laughs> no, no. No, no. <laughs> uh, so this is an email from Nate. He asks if there are particular things that we enjoy in detective anime that you don't see in live action mystery shows, maybe cool things that can be done with animation or just tropes that are more common. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that I like here. Um, I think there are definitely some often more often fantastical elements in some of these shows, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. whole premise of Detective Conan, which we haven't explained yet, is pretty silly. Um, and there's lots of gadgets, and often the solutions. They do a lot of locked room mysteries, a lot of things with dying messages, so mm-hmm. there's very formulaic and these these recurring tropes that are kind of familiar and mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. And... Uh, and sometimes it just gets really wacky. So those are the things I like. Yeah, I like when we get a shadow person, when we're thinking oh, yeah. about things oh. that have happened or might have happened, and we don't know who did it. So it's just this walk-in shadow. Right, because they can just yeah. draw like a silhouette right. of a person, and we can see exactly what they did without knowing who But if who you tried is. to do that in a live-action thing, like shade out somebody, like, yeah. you'd be like, what is, why, is it, <laughs> why is a ghost murdering everybody? It would look real silly. So yeah, thank you for that question, um, and I, we hope we get some more questions. Uh, Neil, as we are wrapping up, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, uh, I, uh, as mentioned previously, perform with the N Crowd um, on streaming video platforms uh, this summer, and that's about every other Friday. Um, so check Philly N Crowd for information about that. Uh, I also perform regularly with. Ryan T. Barlow in People of Interest, uh, as well as an upcoming project that Ryan and I have uh, that will be revealed at a later date. Oh, wow. So follow me on Twitter. You're leaving us yeah. with a mystery. Ooh. I'm leaving you with the mystery of Neil and Ryan's activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Neil. Um, I didn't expect... I, I, I'd expected that you might have seen more anime, but I'm glad you didn't because we really got a fresh perspective uh, and some fresh eyes. Yeah, I was, I was happy to have a very specific um, task and in to this world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you handed this episode to me. It wasn't like, Neil, find your favorite anime episode, bring it to us yeah. because I would have just flailed for <laughs> generations about that. Um, but truly now I want to start with the beginning of, of this Academy series um, and kind of explore a little more. Yeah. Um, what, what they do and how they do it. I I'm reminded often that like, CSI and Law and Order when I've tried to watch those for long periods of time 
I love the procedural part, but then they work in character backstories and relationships and personality quirks, and I'm always like, oh, enough of this human stuff. Show me the bullets. <laughs> um, and so this small format might be yeah. closer to me. Yeah, great. Cool. Uh, so I want to thank all of our listeners for listening and uh, definitely support the podcast by following us wherever it was that you got this podcast subscribe and review we're now up on apple podcasts and other places um and yeah more to come next week we are covering detective academy q episode seven it's another one episode mystery uh it'll be at an art gallery with a dying message in the form of a jigsaw puzzle um it's kind of crazy we're only uh, five episodes into our podcast and we're coming up on a third dying message which is the title we have named aptly here. Oh yeah, Neil, before we go, I wanted to ask you about the mystery of the lost glove. Yeah, this is uh, a short one. I, I think when I was in college, I had a pair of uh, leather gloves that I really liked. And one day I realized that one of the gloves was missing uh, and I searched my entire apartment for it. Um, no dice. Um, just, you know, figured it was like lost on campus until one day when I lifted up my mattress of my bed and discovered that it had been buried underneath my mattress between the mattress and the frame. Um, so that's where my lost glove had gone. And if you had been murdered, they would have used mm. that as a clue mm-hmm. to figure out why your body was left in a curled up position on the floor. Yes. Or would have at least, that's exactly right. Would have at least tried to see if it fit. Ha ha. It's very topical. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Ever, evergreen topical. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 5, in which our power goes out and someone is murdered, with Neil Bardham. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Neil Bardham. Coming up, will Michael get over the improbable nature of Megu's photographic memory? How much evidence tampering is too much evidence tampering? Is it okay to be sad sometimes? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. And she's also got like a thingy on her leg. Oh, we just lost power. Which means that we lost internet. Oh, rats. <laughs> Why the hell did that happen? <laughs> All right. You should call Neil. Yeah, hold on. Oh, it's back. Oh, it's gone. Ugh, because the second monitor is down, I can't even pause. Okay, so Neil, we just lost power over here. It's like perfectly sunny outside. There's no thunder or rumblings at all. I thought we were going to be murdered. <laughs> 2020 has a lot of surprises in store for us. When the lights go out uh, in a murder mystery, someone does get murdered. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's what Agatha Christie taught me. I don't know if anybody else taught anybody that.